I've been McKinney. This is According to Callus. And I'm going to do a Theology Thursday, kind of a throwback to the old days, if you will. This is coming out on September the 22nd, which is Thursday nonetheless. And we're going to talk a little bit about economics. And before I go any further, let rem- let me remind you, like, share, subscribe, comment, tell your friends. This is the show. We spend most of our time talking about McKinney and Texas in general, but we do not ignore the larger issues going on around us. And today is no different. We are going to be looking into a book. It's a Bible study, if you will, on economics by Mr. Ben Quine. It's put out by the Cornerstone Curriculum. And, uh, you know, he's got a few people that have signed off on the back here that I know of, which would be Josh McDowell and Tommy Nelson. Uh, That would be Denton Bible Church for those of you that don't know. So this is basically uh, seven individual studies. Uh, And I got to be honest, I haven't gone through the whole book yet. I just got it a couple, about a week and a half ago, I think. And I am going to save this and kind of probably go through this with my wife. I think it'll be interesting and helpful. But what I want to do is skip to some of this stuff from lesson seven, because it's kind of the conclusion. And I want to give you just a little taste about what he works up to so you can see what's going on here. And uh, if this is something that you find interesting or would like to perhaps get yourself, uh, go to the cornerstonecurriculum.com. It is actually based in Richardson, Texas, which is right down the uh, road from me here in McKinney. So in study number seven, I think I'm just going to read the first page or so here, just to kind of give you a little flavor of what the other um, six studies sound like. All right, so as we have seen, the whole scripture from Genesis to Revelation, the law, the prophets, and the New Testament teach that private property, personal freedom to invest and make profit, unregulated commerce, principles of honesty and justice, and hearts motivated by compassion that leads to charity are the economic foundation for a healthy society. Sounds good. Got, uh, I got to give props. That's well put together a sentence there. (laughs) The biblical author's economic vision is utterly incompatible with socialism or communism. The Bible doesn't teach forced sharing of any or all property, even governmental wealth redistribution. That would be a newsflash to those lefties that pretend to be Christians. It teaches free giving out of one's private property. Continue this study by searching the scriptures for yourself and determine if there are verses or passages in the Bible that endorse forcible redistribution of wealth by political authorities. Now, the command to give generously is repeated frequently in the New Testament, but the rest of this economic teaching is not giving in form of commands. So we should be careful not to confound it with the essential components of the gospel or to think that holding these biblical views is evidence of a saving faith. Very good. All right, so then he's got a series of questions and verses to reference it at. 
And then he uh, goes on to the, on page 75 here. Perhaps you're chasing after wealth in search for meaning. Know that a life of service, a life devoted to God, a life lived in deep relationship with the creator is a meaning of life and genuine success. Blaise Pascal famously said, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. Until God is reigning as your king in life, you will not experience satisfaction or true success. Alright, so there is a whole lot more that follows this. I am going to skip forward here just a tad and... I guess this is the closeout of this section here. If your country adopts or has already adopted a socialist, communistic, or similar economic system, as a Christian, you're instructed to obey your government, but only if following it still allows you to have obedience to God's law. Don't steal, don't worship other gods, be honest, and so on. Live a life overflowing with generosity and pray for your city and your country. If you're blessed enough to live in a I'm sorry, live in a country where people and participants in deciding the economic system to follow, for the good of your brothers and sisters in Christ and for the good of your land, I urge you to share what God has taught you through this study. God's wisdom can make you wiser than the expert whose views are based solely on man's wisdom. All right, so there's a whole lot more in this. I just kind of wanted to whet your appetite. The idea is apparently a large quantity or percentage of our people in our country seem to think that even though they are nominally Christian, that the Bible is just a collection of sayings, stories, fables, myths by a bunch of dead guys. And while the human authors were a bunch of dead guys, we believe that it was inspired word of God. We believe that it was collected together in universal agreement that these are the appropriate texts to base Christianity upon that flow from what Jesus taught to what the apostles taught and don't contradict what the Old Testament said. So, Mr. Quine here puts together a compact review under the title of Answers for Difficult Days, Economics, and basically is imploring you to take the lessons that are in the Bible, and he breaks them into seven distinct lessons, going through essentially Genesis to Revelation, right? The whole Bible, to give you a consistent idea of what you're supposed to do and what is the best economic way to do this? Now, I know a few people that have titled pastor that probably could benefit from reading this. i not looking to disparage anybody, but they have a different point of view than what I do. And if anything, I'm open to learning new things, even when they conflict with something that I already believe or agree with. I, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. I don't necessarily need to be in the echo chamber and have every thought and every belief reaffirmed by everything that I do, read, listen to, and watch. I like to be challenged from time to time. Now, I don't want to go through my entire life being challenged every time I walk out the door, which is kind of some of the frustrations I have with uh, 
well, things that I uh, attend. But the idea being, as individuals, if we seek to expand our knowledge, speak, seek to expand our understanding of the world around us, that means that sometimes we've got to look to other ways of doing that. The theology in here is basically, hey, the Bible says these things. If you believe the Bible, perhaps you ought to take these lessons and apply them to your day-to-day life. Perhaps you ought to apply them to this sphere of your life. I know it makes a lot of people nervous, right? Hey, well, I'm a good Christian, but, you know, Uncle Sam already takes 25% of what I make. I don't really have any money left to look out for the least of these. I understand you. I hear you, brother and sister. I feel like I'm in the same boat. But it doesn't exempt us from that responsibility. Now, it may alter the amount or the percentage that we're able to live without in order to look out for those folks, but it doesn't mean that we have no responsibility. It doesn't mean that we get to just ignore it, but it it does play out differently. It does give us different options. And we need to look at what our opportunities are. What do we able to do even with the challenges that we face. You know, I have remarked at one point in the past that we currently give up now more than what they were being forced to pay back before the revolution. And they were willing to face death as part of that. And we're afraid to give up our latte. We're afraid to say no because, well, our life might be a little difficult. Well, I'm here to tell you, their days are only going to get more difficult. I'm here to tell you that nothing is going to be easy, but if we choose to stand on the right thing, we choose to do the right things, we will be right. We will be exuding justice and fairness. Perhaps it's worthy of the sacrifice. Perhaps we need to look at how do we better do these things. This little Bible uh, study book here seems to be on the path to get us there. seems to give you an opportunity to expand your understanding, your horizons, if you will. So I would recommend that as an opportunity for all of us to get a better insight. And like I said, I I plan on uh, going through that here in the next couple months with my wife. And it's not an expensive book. It's worthwhile investment. I don't see any harm. And I got to say, I I enjoyed listening to him speak when I had him at uh, one of the clubs I participated at. And uh, I would recommend you look him up. This is going to be a really short episode. And again, economics should be rather cut and dry. It shouldn't be that hard. And In all things being considered, if you're looking out for your fellow man and you're doing it the right way, you're giving with an open spirit and a kind heart, they shouldn't have to show up at your house with men's with guns to force you to give something up. It would only be a tyrannical government that would do something like that. And we would never see anything like that. We would never put up with anything like that, right? Well just saying with that folks i'm actually going to cut this real short i uh i don't have a whole lot to add 
Um, I guess it's kind of an ad for Mr. Quine. Didn't necessarily intend that. But there's more that could be added to this, and I might choose the opportunity to do that. Or I might just add more to this episode. But for right now, I'm going to take a hard pause. Uh, Life gets in the way, and I've got some other things I need to tend to right now. So if I don't tack anything on to this, I'll see you on the other side. If I do, we'll carry on. Thank you. Well, I decided I just couldn't leave well enough alone. (laughs) It was only 12 minutes long. I I felt like I owed you a little more than that. So um, we're talking about economics. And, you know, I I spent a lot of time listening to uh, the godfather of uh, libertarianism, Mr. Tom Woods, my own nickname for him. I'm certain he would be embarrassed to be called that. But I will tell you that you know, the guy's got a PhD in history, but I think he spends more time talking about the free market and economics than, uh, let's see, 90% of the people I know of or know personally. And when you can talk about Rothbard, you can talk about um, Hayek, you can talk about, um, geez, any number of people. And you, you can look into their philosophies and into their uh, economic uh, theories largely based off of uh, what Ludwig von Mises had done before them, which then goes in the says and a couple other authors. The idea that you can't have a top-down organization for an economy. You can't force the issue that every time you try and force something, you're disrupting it. You're creating more problems. We see this every day. I've talked about it in some of the previous episodes this week where when you reward bad behavior, you get more of it. Well, in economics, they talk about it as being a malinvestment. When you malinvest, there's typically a consequence to that. But when you're bailed out by government, when you're protected by government, you're, in a sense, rewarding that bad behavior and companies or investors don't learn the lesson of that malinvestment. They, they create bigger problems. I think it was Hazlitt covers some of this in his uh, economics in one lesson, and that's all well and good. I'm going to guess the vast majority of my listeners have no idea who most of these people are. They, they're not interested in reading a 300-page book or a 500-page book on economics. And I understand. I, I can relate. I, it's one of those things where you can become bored to tears if they get into all the details. But from what I understand, especially from the praxis approach to this, is it's a story. It's it's using explanations by real life, by reality, to demonstrate why something doesn't work or why something does work or why something would be better one way versus the other. A lot of this is to refute the Keynesian idea that has influenced so much of our government's for the last hundred plus years to push back upon the government looking to influence the economy all around it. When you put in price fixing, right? Whether you're creating a floor or a ceiling, you're causing problems within the market. And there's all those people out there that say, well, the market's not perfect. The market leaves people behind. And what about the safety net? Well, okay, fine. All that's true. Let's, we're going to give it to you in this, you know, three to five minutes I have left. And I'll just say, 
Can you name me one country where there is no poor people left? Can you name me one country where people don't still slip through the cracks? Can you name me one country where things are better for the poorest in their society than they are in our society? Can you name one country where there's no poverty? And I'm not going to talk about just strictly a dollar amount or the fictional poverty line. I'm going to talk about people that in that country don't have to worry about whether or not they're going to eat today. Now, the United States, for all its faults, the vast, vast, vast majority of our population doesn't go to bed at night wondering, am I going to have breakfast in the morning? But that is something that has been common to nature, common to mankind since the beginning of time, since they got removed from the Garden of Eden. There's always been, I'm going to bed tonight, but am I going to be able to eat tomorrow? Now, in times past, there was a greater proportion of that society that might have gone to bed like that. But I would tell you that I'm fairly convinced that you cannot find a time in the past or a country currently that has a better situation than we do in the United States. And I'm going to tell you right now, you can't use Canada because quite frankly, we are their crutch. And I really am going to be hard pressed for me to accept any Western European country because we basically prop them up as well. So, I want you to find a system that is similar or different than ours in the past or present that has a smaller proportion of people that don't have to worry about whether or not they're going to eat in the morning. And I will even allow for your best numbers. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, I don't think you can find it. If you do, go ahead, make a comment in this post and you know, tell me, refute to me. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm going to probably hear about Sweden or Denmark or something. Okay, that's fine. But I don't believe it. Because both of those countries exist in their current form based upon what we do for them. Find me an independent country that has a better situation than the poorest people in the United States. And I'm going to tell you, furthermore, even the illegal aliens that come here from whatever they're fleeing, have a better life the moment they get here. You know why I know that? Because they left where they were at. They left somewhere that they might have had generations of history and family to come here. And the question is, well, why would they do that? Well, clearly because it's better for them here than where they came from. Now, that doesn't mean the United States is awesome and great. That doesn't mean the United States is perfect. But what it means is whatever we're doing is working better than everything else out there, notwithstanding all of the problems that we have caused ourselves, notwithstanding all the impediments we've put upon ourselves, notwithstanding all the abuses of our own government and what they've done to our economy. Even still, we're in better shape. Now, I will tell you, that I'm very concerned about the mountain upon mountain of debt that we have incurred. Now, when I was a younger man, we used to say, well, don't worry, it was debt we owed ourselves, or don't worry, we can print our way out of this, or don't worry, we can do this, or we can do that. 
that at a certain point, you can't get out of it. At a certain point, you've enslaved multiple generations. At a certain point, there is no return. And I don't know what that point is. But for right now, even with our mountain of debt, and our mountain upon mountain of debt, our people are still better off. They are still being fed. Now, I will also leave this one proviso. If you go check out some other podcasts or some other, um, let's call them permaculture type people, they will tell you that the vast majority of what we eat is terrible. That a good number of things that we buy in the stores is in fact poison for our bodies. They will tell you about all the horrors of modern agriculture and they can be absolutely 100% correct. And we're still in a better place than most of the rest of the world. And I would love to reform those things. And I, and I, and I think that that's going to happen naturally when this debt bomb goes off. And, and I think they have a lot of solutions, strangely enough, that don't require any government interference. In fact, a good number of those solutions are workarounds from government interference right now. But I think those are the people who embrace free market economics, who also know how to properly utilize the earth that we were given, are going to be leading the way. That is my fervent hope, my desire for those things to occur. And what little piece or part I get to play in that is quite frankly kind of exciting. It's motivating. And before you worry about, you know, I've gone all purple or whatever. No, 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 no. This is a big group of people. There's a big society of people that spend a lot of time and effort in doing this. And they no more want government to come in and run their lives or run the economy than we do or that I do. But as a friend of mine once used to say, we're trying to work with nature. Not against it. We're trying to learn from the earth and how it functions. We were put in charge of the earth. We were told to subdue it and put it to work. Well, what if working with it gives us better results? What if utilizing the natural advantages of the way the earth was designed gives us better results? It's a wise master that we must be in order to get the best outcome. And all of this goes back down to economics. When you make an investment, you expect a return. If you're always taking away, you're never going to see that return because you're not putting anything into it. Another guy I know of, I've not met personally. Well, actually, I might have met him personally, but definitely not a friend of mine. Talks about the difference between a farmer that mines and a farmer that invests. He may not phrase it exactly that way, but that's the way I understood it. That's the way I choose to look at it. If you're always taking away, you're going to end up with nothing. But if you're investing in it, if you're pouring into it and then taking your dividend, if you will, you're always going to be better off. You're going to build it up. That's basic economics now, isn't it? 
if you save and you invest, you'll have a better return and a bigger yield later. Just saying. Economics can teach us a lot. Biblical economics can even put us in a better spot. But applied biblical economics, well, now we're cooking. Now we got something. My advice to you is, go spend 10 bucks or whatever it is. Get the book. Read through it. Apply the lessons and move on. Even if you don't apply all of them, if you at least have a better understanding of how some of this stuff works, I'm sure that you will see the benefits. And just so you know, I'm not getting anything out of this. No kickbacks, no piece of the action, none of that nonsense. I, I ended up kind of getting the book for free, but it wasn't because I wasn't willing to pay for it. I just said, hey, you know, I'm going to probably do an episode on this. He goes, oh, here, take it. Let the people know. it's This is good information. It should be shared. And that's what I'm doing. So with that, I think I'm going to call it an end now. We're a little over 25 minutes and I've given you your money's worth, which was zero investment, only your time. And with that, this was, according to Callis, this was episode 267, little Theology Thursday on economics. And until I speak to you again, I will see you on the other side.